Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Uh, for those of you um, that were here Sunday, you'll know that uh, we've started a, a short Bible study uh, into the fivefold ministry. Uh, it's probably going to take about, my guess is, eight weeks. It might be a little more. It might be a little, a little less, but somewhere right in there. It's only going to be a couple months. Um, and of course, the fivefold ministry, we're going to be looking specifically at Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16, uh, and of course we take the, the term fivefold ministry from Ephesians 4.11 where it says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, which is just another word for pastors and, and teachers. Now, this past Sunday we did the introduction, okay? And if you were here, you're, you're good to go. If you weren't here, I would strongly suggest that you go back uh, onto uh, YouTube or podcast or wherever and, and get caught up on that. But tonight we're going to dive right in and we're going to look at verse 11 and we're going to look at the first gift, which is apostles. Now I'm going to tell you that I'm not in any hurry. Uh, we're going to take this slow, we're going to take it carefully, and we're going to take it thoughtfully. We're going to do it right, okay? Um, and so we'll, I can't finish it all tonight. I wish I could, but there's just too much information and too much to cover. So we will, this will take us two weeks to get through this. Now tonight we're going to be looking at verse 11. Uh, as I just said, he gave apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now I mentioned on Sunday that the church today seems to have drawn a line in the middle of that verse. Uh, nobody has a problem with evangelists. Nobody has a problem with shepherds. Nobody has a problem with teachers. Uh, it's apostles and prophets that we have the disagreement on. And, uh, and this disagreement can occur on, between Bible-believing people. Uh, in other words, one person believes the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, and another person believes the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, and they can come down on different sides of, of this uh, debate or of this uh, uh, question. So there's certainly challenges ahead, and this is one of the reasons we're going we're gonna to take it slow. Now, there's a lot of questions about apostles, and I'm just going to focus on apostles tonight and next week, and then we'll come and look at, uh, we'll look at prophets. And there's a, there's a lot of questions, and you'll see as we go through, I'm going to try to answer as many of those as I possibly can. Uh, but it really boils down to this, and this is the basic underlying question, and that is, are there still apostles in the church uh, today. Now, as I said, there's people on both sides of it. Now, the people that say no, there's not, they will always go to this verse, okay? And so this is, I mean, if you read on this, and I bet I've re read 100,000 words <laughs> over the past month on this subject, and they will always go to this. Ephesians 2, by the way, who is the writer? This is the Apostle Paul. It's the exact same letter as Ephesians 4. Two chapters earlier, he says this, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being uh, the chief cornerstone. So the, the idea here is you don't build a foundation over and over and over, do you? 
You build a foundation once, and then you, you put the foundation down, and then you build. So the foundation has been laid by the apostles and the prophets. You and I, the, the church of the, throughout the ages, have been built on that. By the way, I agree with that 100%, absolutely. But they would say, see, you don't need apostles and prophets anymore. They've laid the foundation. There's, there's no need for them anymore. And they use that verse over and over. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> Apostle Paul, just two chapters later, says this, And he gave the apostles and the prophets to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Now, I don't know about you, but I've not attained to unity of the faith with everybody in the world. I've not attained to the maturity of Christ. I've not attained. Are you with me? That's not going to happen until we see him face to face. As long as there is a church on this earth, we're going to be growing. We're going to be looking for unity. All of these fruits we're going to be trying to build. So this clearly seems to mean to me that this is going to happen until Jesus comes back. Now, the question is, how do you, how do you rectify these two? Um, and, and what's made it worse in the last couple of decades is there's been this movement in the church. It's got different names. You hear it called the New Apostolic Reformation or the Second Apostolic Age. And you'll see quotes like this. This is a quote by a guy by the name of Peter Wagner. He said this, The Second Apostolic Age began in the year 2001, which means the government of the church has not been in place since the first century. Now, folks... I got a lot to say about that. First of all, it sounds like Mormonism. That's what, that's what guys like Joseph Smith said. Oh, the church is corrupt. Jesus came to me and told me to put it all back together. That's just Mormonism. But here's the other thing. Do you really think Jesus is that inept? Do you, he's the head of the church, is he not? Is he that bad of a head that somehow we've lost the gift of apostles for 2,000 years? Really? That's what you think of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've got a lot of challenges here. There's a lot of confusion in the church. There's, there's a lot of turmoil of people who are what I call title-grabbing and calling themselves apostles. And, and so you've got this one group on one side. It's all about, yeah, we've got to bring apostles back. And you've got this other group that says, no, 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 we don't need them anymore. What's the truth? And how do we find the truth? How do we find our way through the challenges. Well, there's only one way, and that is a good old-fashioned Bible study. That's the only way. It's a good old-fashioned Bible study, and that's exactly what we're going to do for the next two weeks. Uh, we're just going to get in the Bible. We're going to try to forget all of our preconceived notions that we have, and we're just going to get in and see what the Bible has to say, and we're going to see where we uh, going to see where we come to. Let me say this real quickly, okay? I've never been more aware over the last month of the need for teaching in the local church. There is such a need for teaching in the local church, and, 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 and you can see that. At the same time, I've never been more aware of my deficiencies. I mean, who am I? Who am I? To come up here and tell you. So I'm going to do my best, right? I'm just going to do my best. I'm not perfect. More than likely, when we walk out of here in two weeks, the people, half people on one side will be mad at me and the other people on the other side will be mad at me. But that's okay. If my conscience is clear, I've got to answer to him. 
That's all I'm worried about, okay? So, uh, again, we're just going to get in the Bible and go through it together. Now, we're going to start with something very simple. If we ask the question, are there apostles in the church today? Well, what does that even mean? First of all, what do you mean by apostle? What is an apostle? So let's just go back to the word apostle. The, the word apostle in the Greek is the word apostolos, okay? And it's, it's a combination of two words, the, the Greek uh, word apo, which means out, and the Greek word stolos, which means sin. So the word apostolos or apostle just means one who is sent out on a mission, So there's a lot of English synonyms. You could use ambassador or envoy or an emissary or a delegate or a representative or a messenger. There's a lot of really good synonyms for uh, apostle. Now, today, this is a church word, is it not? I mean, how many of you have had a conversation with the cashier at Publix and used the word apostle in that conversation? Right? you You don't use this every day. It's a church word. But back in that day, it wasn't a church word at all. It was just a common Greek word. It, it, in fact, it didn't even have to refer to a person. Uh, the, the secular writer, a Greek writer, a guy by the name of Demosthenes, tells us that the word apostle, for example, could be used of a cargo ship. So if there was a cargo ship, let's say it was sent on a mission to, to resupply an army garrison. Uh, it was being sent for a purpose uh, you could call that cargo ship an apostle. That was, that was very common in Greek. Or let's say there was an admiral of a fleet, and that fleet was sent on a mission from the king to go, to go do something, to accomplish some task. The admiral of that fleet could be called an apostle. It was just a, a very uh, a common Greek word. And one of the ways it was used as, as an emissary or an envoy of a king. So let's say a king wanted to send an envoy or an ambassador on a mission, and he would do that. He would send it, and that man would go. He would go with the king's authority. Maybe he would have the king's seal. He would go with the king's credentials. And in other words, he goes out to complete a mission for the king, and he has all the authority and the credentials of the king in order to do that. So just a very common Greek word, and Jesus took that word, the apostles took that word, and used it to represent a group of men. So there are three things about an apostle that you have to remember, and this is going to be very important as we move through. First of all, you have to be sent by another. You don't just decide, I'm going to go out and do something on my own. That's not an apostle. You have to be sent. You have to be sent on a particular mission for that person. And you have to be given the authority to to accomplish that mission. Very simple. Everybody with me? So that is an apostle. You have to be sent by another. You have to be sent on a mission. And you have to be given the authority to accomplish that mission. Now, here's the thing. We need to understand. And and this, honestly, as as much as I've read on this, it absolutely shocks me how, how people just, they're either purposefully overlooking this or they're just too shallow. I, I can't quite get it. But you understand, you can't, in the English language, one word doesn't, it can have different meanings, right? And one of the things you're going to find out about apostle is just like that. It has different meanings in the New Testament. It is used in different ways. Now listen, I'm, and I'm going to give you the four ways, okay? First of all, an apostle is used to refer to Jesus himself. How many of you knew that there's a scripture that calls Jesus an apostle? We'll look at that in just a moment. It's also used to refer to the office of apostle. It's used to refer to just a messenger. 
and then it's used to refer to a gift, okay? And I'm going to cover all four of those, three of those tonight, and then the final one we'll get to uh, next week. Now, here's the thing, and and, and I want you to understand, I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes and, and make this more complicated than it is, but the fact of the matter is words can be used in different meanings. Let's take the word love, okay? I can say to you, Uh, I would love to see that happen. I love to go fishing. I love my wife. Same word. The first one means I'd really desire or want something to happen. The second one means uh, I I enjoy something. The third one means uh, I've got a, a deep abiding affection. I could even say I love the way that looks, and that means something is... Are you with me? Same word. But this is just common in language. You can't just say love means this and say every time you see the word love, you think that's what it means. No, it doesn't. You have to look at the context, right? And so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to, every time we see the word apostle, we're going to look at the context and see what it says. Now, I'm going to give you a couple, I'm going to help you do this. So remember, an apostle is one who is sent out and they're sent out on a mission. So every time you see the word apostle in the New Testament, you can ask two questions. Number one, who sent them? Are they sent by God? Are they sent by the church? Are they sent by an individual? Just ask the question. And the second question is, what's their mission? What are they being sent out for? Are they being sent to preach the gospel? Are they, are they being sent to plant a church? Are they being sent to uh, deliver money or, or gather money? Are they being sent to to help an individual? Just ask the question, who sent them and what's their mission? And that's going to immediately help you see the context of that. Everybody with me? Okay, let's move in. I said it's used four ways in the New Testament. Here's the first way. It is used to refer to Jesus himself. This is in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Now, this is right here is an excellent example of an apostle. Jesus is sent by who? The Father. He's sent on a mission. What was his mission? To seek and save the lost, to give his life a ransom for many, to atone for our sins. He was given the credentials and the authority. He could heal. He could forgive sins. He walked on water. He did all of these things, and he was faithful to the death of the one who appointed him. He's a perfect example of an apostle. In fact, folks, listen to me. Jesus is the perfect apostle. Just like he's the perfect prophet and the perfect evangelist and the perfect shepherd, and, and, and he's, he is the embodiment of the fivefold ministry all on himself. So now, we certainly are not saying there's apostles like, we're not asking are there apostles like Jesus in the church, are we? That would be foolish, wouldn't it? So here's an example of the use of the word where we understand it's referring to a certain, he's set apart. He is the perfect apostle. Now, he gives his gifts to men, and each one of those men function as apostles, but they, they, every single one of them do it imperfectly. But that's how he has ordained it to work. So that's the first one. This is the second one. The apostle in the New Testament, it can refer to an office. Now, what do I mean by an office? An office is a position in a church 
where all the believers recognize that that person holds that office. So, for example, you could have an elder in a church, and everybody would look and recognize that man is an elder. Everybody with me? Okay. He, every believer looks and says, yes, that guy holds that office. So that's what we mean when we refer to an office. So here's the thing. There is a select group of men, a very select group of men in the New Testament, who are divinely chosen by Jesus to serve as his original apostles. And again, you can use whatever English synonym you want as his ambassador, as his envoy, as his delegate, as his representative. Now, who are these men? Well, we know them first and foremost as the twelve, okay, the twelve. You see this first in Luke 6, chapter, uh, verses 13 to 16. It says this, And when day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve who he named apostles. Now notice, there are more than twelve disciples. Everybody understands that, right? There's not just twelve disciples following Jesus. Maybe there's 50 at this time. Maybe there's 70. Maybe there's 200. We don't know. But he had all these disciples And he called them all in, and he chose from those, let's say, 70 or 100, he chose a subset of 12, and he named them as his apostles. Now, who were they? Simon, uh, who he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a uh, traitor. So those are your original 12 apostles. Now, the number 12, folks, and I hope you know this, but go should go without saying, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate it here. The number 12 is important because it corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel. There has to be 12 apostles. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne... You who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Revelation 21, 10 to 14, it says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay? Though the, the 12, there's something special about this 12. Now, Judas, of course, betrays Jesus, commits suicide. He's dead. He, it's not just that he's dead. He basically abdicated. He abdicated. He walked away from it through his betrayal. And he's no longer numbered among the 12, right? Now there's only 11. But again, 12 is important. There has to be 12 Apostles, so a another one has to be appointed, and we find this in Acts chapter one, and the the twelfth apostle becomes a guy by the name of Matthias. Now, this sometimes we read this and go through it real fast, but it turns out this is a really important passage of scripture. Acts chapter one, twenty one to twenty six. This is Peter. He says he's talking. He says, "Okay, guys, we got to replace Judas." Basically, he says this. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, starting with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So here's the qualification to be an apostle. You had to have been with Jesus from the day he was baptized 
by, by John in the River Jordan until the day he was taken up into heaven. He had to be there the whole time. That's the qualification. And it says, they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed. And it says, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the, now watch this, in this ministry, in this apostleship, this, this 12, this group, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11. Now, folks, listen to me. That apostleship filled by the 12, that's different. That's special. That's unique. That can never be replicated. Even the apostle Paul, who was a true apostle, even he recognized that there was something different about the 12, that there was a difference between him and them. In 1 Corinthians 15, 5 and 9, he's writing, he said, he's talking about Jesus, and he says, he appeared to Cephas, and then almost immediately he said, and then to the 12. You hear them refer to the 12. And he says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of, of God. Now, that's your 12. Now, we got to add one more to that group, even though that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that group is special. That group is unique. There is another apostle called by, by God, uh, by Jesus, and this is the apostle Paul. These are his words, his testimony, Acts 22, 6 through 9. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to uh, do. Later on in Acts 22, he says this, When I had returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw him say to me, Go. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Over and over, and you guys have been reading the Bible long enough, you've heard Paul say things like this. Paul, an apostle. Now remember, apostle is sent, right? They sent by someone for a mission. Who is he sent by? He says, not sent by man. Not sent by an agency of man like a church but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And who was he, what was his mission? To take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now listen, Paul could not be numbered with the twelve. It's the twelve who will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. It is the twelve whose names are written on the foundation of the new Jerusalem. So he, he's not in that twelve. Now that, he's an apostle. Absolutely he's an apostle. And he didn't consider himself inferior to them. In fact, you, you know, there was a time he had to get in Peter's face, but he recognized that they were different. They were the originals. They had walked with Jesus from day one. And you'll see him talk about this, for example, Galatians 2.8. He says, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for my apostolic ministry to the Gentiles. Now, here's what I want you to see. We got the 12 apostles plus Paul. Looking at Scripture, there are three prerequisites to be an apostle like this. 
this office of apostle. Okay, some people say there are more, but there are certainly three um, to become an apostle, apostle in this official sense. Number one, you had to have seen the resurrected Jesus. You had to have seen the resurrected Jesus. Now, you could, certainly the the uh, eleven uh, and uh, have done this. Luke twenty four thirty three to thirty nine. It says. This is, by the way, in context, this is uh, the two guys are on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appears along beside them. You remember the story, and it says, Our heart burned within us. After they're done, they go back to Jerusalem, and it says, There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Okay? Um, Notice what Acts 122 says. Again, this is the appointment of Matthias. uh, Peter says, one of the men who have accompanied us all that time, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So Matthias certainly has seen the resurrected Jesus. And then listen to Paul. This is 1 Corinthians 9.1. He says this, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? So all of these men that are that we consider in the office of apostle, they all had seen the resurrected Jesus. That's number one. Number two, not only did you have to be seen, uh, seen him, you had to be chosen and sent by him. We've already seen in Luke six thirteen that Jesus chose from the twelve, from them the twelve who he named apostles. Uh, now this is important. Watch this. Let's go back to Acts chapter one where Matthias is put forward. So Jesus says to them, right? He says, look, this is the qualification. Whoever we choose has to have been with us from day one, right? And notice what it says. And they put forward two, Barsabbas and Matthias, and they stepped back. And they prayed, and watch what they said. You, Lord, you choose. We don't know. You know the hearts. Show which one of these two you have chosen. So Matthias is not chosen by the apostles. Matthias is chosen by who? By Christ. They cast lots and it fell. And okay, that's, that's the decision. So we've got the, 12, the original 12 or 11 being chosen. We've got Matthias being chosen by God. And of course, we've got Paul being chosen. You remember the story after the road to Damascus. Paul goes in. I'm sorry. He's on the road to Damascus. He's struck blind. He goes into the city. And uh, uh, Jesus appears to this guy by the name of Ananias. He says, Ananias, go down there. And, and lay your hands on Paul so he'll receive his sight. And Ananias is like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you know who that guy is? He's killing people. And this is what the Lord said to him. He said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Acts 22, Paul said this, uh, that Jesus said to him, go, I will send you. So all of those men have seen the resurrected Jesus. All of those men have been chosen directly by Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Anybody can say they've seen Jesus. I could walk in here today and say, you know what, guys, let me tell you all something, man. Last night, I'm in the bed, and this light was there, and Jesus was standing there, and he says, Derek, I've chosen you to be an apostle. Anybody can say that. What's the proof? What's the credentials? What's the authority? This is number three. The apostles were given the ability to perform signs and wonders. That was how they validated and backed up 
what they were saying. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the, the, the twelve. How about Paul? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. The signs of a, say it with me, true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. That was the proof. That here, you know, we're not just saying we did it. Here's the proof. Incredible signs and wonders are being done by them to validate who they are. Now, there's the qualifications. They're sent. What is their mission? What is their purpose? What are they being sent out to do? And I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, tonight on this because it would just, you know, we could get so many scriptures. But basically their mission was to found, organize, and equip the church of Christ on earth. Found it, organize it, and equip the church of Christ on earth. Think about some of the things they did. They spread the gospel. They went into all these unchurched areas. They, they worked miracles. They received revelation from God. They planted churches. They appointed uh, elders. They dealt with controversies. They were the final authority on doctrine in the church, right? Because the New Testament is being written. If there was something that needed to be done and, and, and the apostles said, this is what you do, they were the final word. Everybody with me? This is what they were doing. They were, they were getting the church organized. They were getting it set up. They were founding it. They were on these missionary journeys. They're writing scripture. They're doing all this stuff. They're founding the church. They're organizing the church, and they're equipping the church. Now, who are they sent by? Christ. What is their, their mission? We just said it, and they're given by Christ the authority to accomplish that, uh, that mission. Now, folks, listen. They completed their mission. They laid the foundation. It doesn't have to be laid again. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 2, 18 to 20, that you and I are, are, are the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. They did their job. They did what God called them and asked them to do. The foundation has been, has been absolutely laid. So here's the question. Are there still apostles in the church today? Well, I'm going to ask that question a little bit different. Are there still apostles like that in the church today? Now, if you're going to say yes, you're saying yes, there are men who have seen the resurrected Jesus. Men who have been commissioned directly by him. Men who work miracles. Men who get doctrinal revelation from from God, not just illumination, but revelation, and whose teaching is the final authority and is to be accepted by the church no matter what. Are you talking about men like that? <laughs> is that what you're asking? No. No. Apostles like that do not exist in the modern church. They've never, th those men laid the foundation. They were unique in their calling. They were unique in their mission. They did what God sent them to do. It's done. They were, they, they were in that office. So we call this the office of apostle. By the way, do yourself a little test. If I ask you today to name the apostles, who would you name? You'd name those men. You wouldn't get them all, right? But you would name the 12 plus Paul. 
Not only were they recognized then as apostles, they're recognized today by believers all over the world as apostles. So they, they fulfilled that office. And by the way, that office has an authority second only to Jesus. That office had an authority second, surpassed really only by Christ himself. I think it's, it's interesting. I went back and looked at the, after all the apostles had died, and we, as far as we know, the apostle John was the last one to die, and he would have died somewhere around 99 A.D., um, there were three early church fathers who, who followed them. Uh, Clement, by the way, uh, it said that Peter himself laid hands on Clement. So he knew Peter. Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John. I mean, he literally sat at the Apostle John's feet and learned from him. Ignatius was another very, very early church leader. What you need to understand is these men never, ever called themselves apostles. They would not have even thought of doing that. We don't have a quote from Polycarp, but I do have a couple of quotes. This is the quote from Clement. And again, he died around the same time as, uh, as the Apostle John. He said this, The apostles received the gospel for us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ was sent from God. The Christ, therefore, is from God, and the apostles are from Christ, the greatest and most righteous pillars of the church. So he certainly recognized those guys were different. And he wouldn't have dreamed of calling himself an apostle. Listen to this quote from, from Ignatius. I love this quote. He's writing to the churches and he says this, I am not commanding you as Peter and Paul did. They were apostles. I'm condemned. That's humility right there. Uh, he said, I, I'm not commanding you like they did. They were apostles. They were different. And he was, a, he was a great leader of the church. He would not have even crossed his mind to put the title of apostle over his name. He had never done that. He says, no, I am condemned. Let me tell you, the, the, the best thing I can say today is if somebody steps up today and claims to have the same calling and the same authority as those men, not only is that audacious, it borders on blasphemous. And let me say, anybody can do it. There's nothing stopping anybody from saying, I've seen Jesus and he sent me. I'm going to say, show me the proof. Where's your signs? Where's your wonders? Where's your miracles? Where's the credentials that you've been sent? So no, no, let's set that aside. And by the way, I, I do hope. Now, listen, there are, there are fringes everywhere, okay? But I would hope, even, even those that believe they're apostles today, I would hope that almost all of them would agree that not like those men. Are you with me? Not like those men. That's different. And that's why, by the way, Paul said they've laid the foundation. Those types of apostles do not exist anymore. Now, there's a third way that it's used, okay? And next week we're going to get to the way... By the way, I believe there are apostles in the church today. I don't believe Jesus somehow lost the apostles for 2,000 years. They've always been here. They've always been working, and I'll show you that next week. But I want to show you the third way that it's used, okay, and that is as a messenger. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, I ran across that quote in my study. You want to find this quote, I can guarantee you just Google, are there apostles in the modern church, and you'll find that quote. Did you know there are 25 confirmed apostles in Scripture? Did you guys know that? 25. I didn't. 
And I kept seeing this quote over and over. Here, I'll give you an example. Here's a, I just did a quick screen grab. I, this is an article, and it said, Modern Day Apostles, Do They Exist? And it goes on, and I'll read it for you. I don't know if you can see it. It says, To many, it comes as a surprise that 25 individuals are mentioned as apostles in the pages of the New Testament. Imagine, 25 apostles. This eye-opener paves the way for the acceptance and recognition of modern-day apostles. Now, that sounds, you know, when you first hear that, you're like, wow, I I didn't know that. Now, let me tell you, folks, I'm going to assume the best about these people (laughs) and just assume they're they're just repeating the same drivel that they've heard somebody else say or they're too shallow to get in the Bible and study it. I'm not going to assume they're disingenuous. But let me tell you, that not only is that claim not true, um, the, 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 the type of apostles are different. And they never bring that up. They just say there's 25 apostles and you're just supposed to accept it. But I'm not going to accept it, okay? I'm going to get in there and look at it. Now, these are the names they give you. These are the 25 apostles in the, in the New Testament. Okay, now look, we all agree on 15. And by the way, these 15 are all in their list. Remember, Jesus is one. You had the original 12 in, in Luke, including uh, Judas Iscariot. So that gives you 13. Judas steps out, replaced by Matthias, that's 14, and then Paul is 15. We all, do we all agree on that, right? Those are the, Jesus is in a group by himself. The other 13 are in a group by themselves. They've laid the foundation. That leaves us 10 men. 10 men. Actually, it's actually, and you'll see this in a minute, it's actually not 10 men. It's actually nine men and one woman. So they're Andronicus, Junius, Silvanus, which we know as, as Silas, Paul and Silas, uh, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Apollos, two unnamed brothers. I'll show you that in a minute. Barnabas, James, and James, the brother of Jesus. So these ten men. So this goes back to context, does it not? So let's kind of dive in and let's look at them. So this, the first two that you see is uh, two they'll list, Andronicus and Junia, Junia, and this comes from Romans 16, 7. So I'm going to read it from the King James first. It says this, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles. And so from that verse, they take Andronicus and Junia and make them apostles. Okay, I got a lot to say about that. First of all, the King James is very ambiguous. Do you see that? They say they're of note among the apostles. For example, what if I said, um, I might say to you, well, Henry Jones uh, is of note among the River of Life family, right? Or I might also say something like Keith Collins is of note among the River of Life family. One of them is saying he's in that family. The other one just says the family knows him very well. Are you with me? So which one is it? I mean, it's ambiguous, is it not? So would it help you to make a decision if you knew that Junia was a woman? So Junia, and you'll see it sometimes Junius, but if you go, all, I looked this up and studied it and read it and read articles, it's agreed by most scholars that Junia is a woman, which also means more than likely that Andronicus and Junia are husband and wife. And they are outstanding uh, believers. 
They are of note. They are prominent. But they're not apostles. In fact, if they were that, if first, first of all, if they were of, of, if they were prominent among the apostles, isn't it odd that if they were an apostle that you never heard of them before, you'll never hear of them again. This is the only time they ever get mentioned. Also, that causes a problem with her being a woman. That's a whole other thing right there. It's why if you go look at uh, translations like the ESV and the NASB, they say this, greet Andronicus and Junia, they are well known to the apostles. Or the NASB says, greet Andronicus and Junia, who are outstanding in the view of the apostles. Okay? So, so again, you can... You can really make a reach and try to make them, but I, I don't think the case is made for that at all. I mean, I think it's pretty clear they were great believers. They were the the apostles had incredible respect for them for whatever reason. They had been imprisoned. Uh, they had been early, uh, very early believers. They had in, just huge respect for these people, but they weren't apostles. So I'm going to take their names off the list, and that brings us to a guy by the name of Epaphroditus, and you'll always hear him referred to as an apostle. And they get this from Philippians 2.25. Now remember, context, context, context. Just because you see the word apostle, you don't assume, oh, he's just like Peter, or he's just like Paul. No, you ask the question, who's he sent by, and what's his mission? So let's go read Philippians 2.25. Now I'm going to read this out of Young's literal translation. Um, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about formal, word-for-word, versus readability, right? Well, if there is no more formal translation than that man's right there. It is word-for-word. Word. It's hard to read, but if you want to know what the Greek says exactly the way it says it, this is what it says, and, and this is what it says. And I thought it necessary, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow workman and fellow soldier and your apostle, and absolutely the word there is apostolos. Epaphroditus is a apostle. A, he, they use that word. And servant to my need to send unto you. Okay? Now, this is the ESV, Philippians 2.25. Paul says, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your apostle and minister to my need. Now, do you see what he's saying there? Epaphroditus was sent from the Philippian church to help Paul. Are you with me? He's sent from the Philippian church to Paul to help Paul. Is he an apostle? In the strictest sense of the word, sure, right? He's sent by someone, the Philippian church. He's sent on a mission to help Paul, and he accomplishes that mission. So in the strictest sense of the word, is he an apostle in, in the Greek? Yeah, absolutely. But he's not an apostle who's given as a gift to the church to equip the saints. Are you with me? It's, it's different, and you've got to look at the context. By the way, this is why the English translations, they try to help you. I hear people say, well, how, I'd have to be a, I'd have to, I'd have to be some kind of Greek expert. No, the ESV translates it messenger to try to help you see that I'm not, they're not going to translate that apostle because apostle has a certain meaning in English. Are you with me? So they're, they're actually trying to help you by translating it messenger because that's exactly what he is. He is a, he's a messenger, but he's not the type of apostle 
that we are, are, are talking about that God has given as a, a gift. Let me give you two, a couple more. We're going to go real quick. There are two unnamed brothers in 2 Corinthians 8.23. This is the verse. And as for our brothers, they are, this is the ESV, messengers or apostles of the churches, the glory of Christ. So here are two brothers unnamed. They don't, when I say Christian brothers, they don't name them. But the Greek says they are apostles of the churches. They are, and the ESV translate it, translates it messengers. Now, if you want to just read that word and say, oh, they're an apostle without looking at context, a lot of people do that, but let's look at the context. If you go all the way back up to the beginning of 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says this. He's writing to the church. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So the, the saints in Jerusalem, they're starving to death. There's a famine. They're, they're, it's terrible. Paul is writing to the churches and saying, I need you to get some money together. We need to get some money to give to the saints in, in Jerusalem. And that's what this is all about. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as, as he had started, he should complete among you this act of grace, and then he goes on to say that Titus is going to you, he's coming to you, Corinthian church, of his own accord. Now watch what he says. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Some people say this is Luke. We don't know. He didn't give us the name, but it's, that seems to be who they think it is. And not only that, but he has been app- appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by this. And with them, we are, Titus and this other brother, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are apostles of the churches, the glory of Christ. Now, once again, are they sent? Yes. Who are they sent by? They're appointed by the churches, and what's their mission? Anybody know? Raise money. They're going to collect the money from the Corinthian church and deliver it to, uh, to the church in Jerusalem. So they're apostles in the strictest sense of the word. Absolutely. But are they apostles that God has given in order to equip the, the saints for the work of ministry? No. No. You just, you just got to look at the context, and you can't, you'll see those things. So Andronicus, there's five of them right there that we've set aside. They are not. Now, there are five, that leaves us five names. Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, Apollos, and James, the brother of Jesus. And these men are going to teach us what we need to know about the role of apostles in the modern church. And they are going, what we're going to see is that there's not, there are no office of apostle anymore, but there are certainly gifts of apostles. And I'm going to show you next week what they mean. Now, let me just give you a quick, you may say, well, what's the difference? Remember I told you earlier, an office is a position that everybody recognizes, right? That Peter was an apostle. Everybody recognized that. Paul was an apostle. Everybody recognized. A gift's not like that. It's different. For example, a person can have a gift and not hold an office. You can have a gift of teaching, but nobody calls you Mr. Teacher or Dr. Teacher or... Are you with me? There's no office that goes with that. It's just a gift. You can have a gift of mercy. 
There's not an office that goes with that. You can have a gift of evangelism, but there's not an office that goes with that. What we'll see next week is there's certainly a gift of apostleship. It's not an office, but it is certainly a gift, and we'll come back next week and look at that. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I apologize that I don't get through it in 45 minutes. I wish I could. But, but you know, it's just, it's just too much stuff, and we need to make sure that we, uh, that we absolutely do this right and answer the questions as we go. Father, I pray, Lord, in this, for this study as we move ahead that you give me wisdom, that you give me the words to explain things clearly and directly and honestly. Um, Father, I pray that here at River of Life that we not have any agenda. That if there's anyone here with an agenda, there's anyone here with preset ideas about these things, Father, will you just help us to just set those aside and just come to your word with an open heart and an open mind. And God, allow you to teach us the role of apostles so that we can use that here in our church to, to make River of Life uh, not just what we want it to be, but what it needs to be uh, years and years and years from now. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you're going to do in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.